Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Pratt Shaker. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Skylight Health. So I thought I'd make this recording today um, in real time and unscripted because um, I've heard of, uh, some feedback, of course, that post the AGM yesterday, um, there were some questions that some felt may have been unanswered or unaddressed in the call. Uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to hear the feedback and then more, more uh, importantly, get the, the response directly um, from me. Uh, and so let's try this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to make a shot here at an unscripted uh, presentation. Um, you're going to see my eyes drift over to a corner as I look at the questions uh, as we go through them. Um, but look, let's take some time here to sort of discuss some events that are going on. I know many of you feel like maybe you haven't heard enough uh, from, from myself and from the company as to some updates, um, especially post the NASDAQ uplist. But I want to remind everybody that, look, we are working very hard and very, very diligently. We have no issues whatsoever or concerns at this point uh, to be concerned in re with regards to the moving forward part of the company. And like we've always said, the NASDAQ for us is really just the beginning. It's an opportunity for us to be in an exchange where we've received tremendously positive feedback from a number of different institutions, now have a chance to really get in front of them, tell the story, and know that they can participate in the Skylight model. And so as we go through this presentation today, or at least a Q&A session of the questions, uh, I'm gonna do my best to address the questions as much as I can. If you guys have any questions after, you can always email us at investors at skylighthealthgroup.com. So before we kick off, let me sort of start by addressing sort of the big elephant in the room that most people have been asking us. What happened with the NASDAQ uplist? And so to take a step back and look at the process that led to the uplist, Certainly, our intention going through the process was to look at uh, developing sponsorship in alignment with the uplist. One of the things that happened as a result of this process was, number one, recognizing that not being a NASDAQ-listed company would have put Skylight at a significant position of um, uh, dilution with regards to a potential deal alongside the uplist in the U.S. And so, therefore, we decided that the better approach for us to take would be to arm ourselves with some cash, of course, we have a pipeline that's very robust. Get the uplist completed, which we know that we were just around the corner on, and then have a chance to really then be in the market where analysts can truly get involved in the story, institutions can start to listen to the story, and then consider what we do post. Now, the work that we've done post pre the uplist, of course, has led to a lot of interest post, and we've been very busy over the last week, week and a half, um, touring different investors virtually, of course, uh, meeting them remotely, retelling the story, and of course, starting to execute. Now, like most things, just like you, for us as well, we were a little set back when we realized that some of the news that we had planned coming out the gate was, of course, delayed a couple of weeks. Now, as many of you know, we've moved away from announcing LOIs and now starting to announce only deals that have closed. And so oftentimes in these diligence periods, some things are out of our control when it comes to closings. It doesn't mean that a deal won't get done. It just means that we want to be a little bit extra careful in dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And sometimes we have to rely on the seller side to also match that timeline. And so as you can see with the closing of Doctor Center, we still very much are committed to our pathway of growth here. We have a large number of deals in the pipeline. And of course, now we want to be very careful that the news that we put out will be truly meaningful, will be news that is directly related to how we are growing our business in the US, both from an acquisition standpoint an organic standpoint, and then of course, all the work that's going into the back end right now around how this business translates into the future value-based care model that we're all envisioning. And so I wanna thank everybody for their patience. 
And I want you to know that myself as a shareholder, as much as many of you, of course, are not happy with the short-term pressures we see out there in the market, but our job is to bring value to the business. It's always been our number one goal. We are ultimately connect committed to this vision. As founders, we continue to remain committed, accumulating our own positions where we can, when we can, uh, and of course, never actually um, looking to exit our position anytime soon because we very much believe in the future value of this company. So going to some of the questions here and to address these questions for you all, and, and hopefully this gets a chance for you to see some of the things that we're working on internally. The first question I'll begin with is some of you have asked a question around the total patient count. And so in the past, we've usually projected a patient count of approximately 150,000 patients. And today when we speak, we're talking a little over 70,000 patients. Now, for many of you know that our history has come from a legacy business that is not related to primary care. Some of those patients have been included in that patient count in the past. Those patients still remain active in terms of our opportunity for how these patients may eventually become primary care patients. But it's more relevant today, especially as we think about modeling, how we look at the primary care patients today as part of that future value. Primary care patients are insured patients. They're patients that will fit eventually into a stream of value-based care. And so this number is more relevant for us to, de to determine today as it aligns more closely with the peers and the types of patients that are typically seen within the peers patient panel. The second question is speaking to the revenue run rate. And so of course, some of the things that we've talked about in the past, and this is historically some of the challenges with the LOIs, is LOIs are not always closed deals. And oftentimes these LOIs are projected into what we call as a run rate, annualized revenues. When we depict guidance, and so this is the first year that as a company, we are putting formal guidance for the year 2021. This is calendar year. And so December 31st, 2021 revenue guidance is 40 million. That includes only the transactions that have closed, including Rocky Mountain that we closed in April. Now this guidance, we expect that we'll be able to revisit on a quarterly basis because we wanna make sure that the quality of earnings coming from the practices we've acquired is reflective of the guidance that we're gonna be able to provide. Of course, we have analysts covering the story. We expect to have more research coverage coming out of the US here. And we wanna make sure that the story resonates with the growth that's being projected to the market. On an annualized basis, the revenue should be more than 40 million. Calendar year just means that we didn't recognize the first quarter of Rocky Mountain, and so therefore we're only including the last three quarters. So hopefully that explains sort of the difference between guidance versus run rate. The third question is the cadence of the acquisitions. So as we've taken a bit of a standstill in acquisitions in Q1 of this year, and we communicated that we're largely building the infrastructure, you can see that we're now back to acquisitions again. And so as we exit Q2, uh, having closed Rocky Mountain, having closed Doctor Center, you can be confident in knowing that our pipeline is quite robust. And in fact, as I've constantly communicated, this pipeline, developing a pipeline is not our problem. Our challenge right now is making sure that we're very strategic in identifying the types of practices we're looking for, in the markets we're looking for, and at the prices that we want to acquire them for. And so the good news is that with the number of deals today in LOI, with the number of deals that we believe will enter LOI shortly, and we're quite busy. In fact, we've been growing our, into, uh, our diligence and integrations teams to be able to keep up with the capacity of deal flow we're looking at. But of course, we're mindful of a number of external factors when it comes to closing these deals. The one benefit Skylight has is that we're not just a 100% acquisition story. This transition to value within the existing patient panel today is very meaningful. That's not to say that we're not going to continue acquisitions. It's just to say that investors shouldn't just look at Skylight as a single path growth model. 
but rather a model that can be born on, that can, that can grow, I'm sorry, on acquisitions, it can grow on organic growth, and it can grow on organic growth of revenue within the existing practices themselves. So the next question about negotiating securing payer contracts. Now, as a Canadian myself, the US healthcare is a very complicated market. We don't see that kind of market here in Canada. And so sometimes I feel like uh, the, the overall consensus might be, this is a switch that can be flipped. And so you get to a point, flip the switch, and you're into value-based care. The reality is it's a much more complicated process than that. The good news is that the process is well-defined and that the customers, the payers, at the end of the day, are already there. So it's our job to make sure that the clinics are successfully making their way towards the end destination. Now, this can be a one-year process. It can be a two-year process. It can be a three-year process. Healthcare is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But the destination is very lucrative. And so as we look at these practices today, we are going from a practice that has no value-based care or managed care contracts to a practice that we take it to what we call as a single-sided risk contract, which means that we have no downside risk. We are not intending to pay back any money if we do not succeed in our metrics with the payers. This is very important because many companies who try and jump to full risk too quick end up having to, it's, it ends up costing them way more than what the benefits would have been. And so our staged approach ensures that we are sustainably building the business we are sustainably educating the physicians in the process to get there, because ultimately we can dictate terms, but the physicians are delivering the care under that model. So there's a lot of education, there's a lot of training, there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built. Now, because we're doing this hard work in these practices, and nobody else is really doing that, everybody else is just trying to jump to full risk quickly, we get these practices at more favorable prices. And that's what makes our strategy so unique in the US market, and so attractive to investors that hear our story. So the timeline to convert will continue to evolve. The conversations have already begun. I can tell you that there's three national payers today that we're already at the table with today discussing. And we can do that because we built critical mass over the last eight months. These acquisitions have enabled us to sit at the table with these payers and discuss contracts. We have contracts that have been presented to us, but you never negotiate, you never signed the first contract on the first pass. And so there's a negotiation process. There is a methodology to being able to derive the best value but there are also multiple paths to get there. And what I can tell you with full confidence is that we very much are committed to seeing that happen this year. And as you will see Skylight evolve through more acquisitions, through more patient growth, this will start to make more sense in terms of the value this is created post. But also keep in mind that the value-based care conversion model is not factored into our valuation today. Our company is being valued on the acquisition play. And so as we expect to see that conversion happen, as we expect to see more research and more institutional participation in the US, we only expect that that value gets resonated back in our company as we can look forward to seeing within our peers. But again, that is an external factor. We'll let the analysts talk about the targets. Our job is to make sure that we get there as a destination as a company. One of the next questions is average time between the time we onboard a clinic to the time that we get to switch them. And again, this is dependent. Some practices are really early in their stage. Some practices are ready to move into a single-sided risk agreement. Some clinics are already within a single-sided risk agreement that we're looking at today. And so again, this practice might be a few months as we're seeing in some practices today. It might be six months, it might be 12 months, it might be 18 months. But the ultimate goal here again is, and maybe sometimes from a point of reference, companies like Oak Street have built their business over nine years. We've built almost the same patient panel in nine months. And so we are very aggressively looking to catch up within the market, 
But again, this is a market that will take time and the payers as well with regards to the process that it takes to go through here. So I appreciate the patience, but know that again, if we're not communicating externally, we are still working very diligently internally to make sure that these processes and metrics are met so that we can ultimately bring that value back to the business and the patients. The next question is about technology. And so how is technology being incorporated to convert? Well, this is a very important aspect because as I've said in the past, one of the biggest challenges these physicians have today is they cannot measure the data that they need to know on their patients. Now, if I'm gonna sign up for a managed care program, I'm expected to not only meet certain quality metrics, I'm also expected to control the cost of care. If I don't know where my patient goes after my clinic, how do I control that cost of care? The lack of data is one of the biggest problems that clinics face today. And this is why I'm excited that some of the paths that we're working on today will be able to address how we as a company cover that blind spot. We're able to access this data. We're able to provide these clinics access to data they never had before. And more importantly, our analytical strategies will let us be able to use that information to then better inform the practice, better inform the patients, and then ultimately succeed in these value-based care plans. Again, it is a foundational step that needs to be developed and something that is happening today within the organization. And lastly, what are some of the milestones that people can look forward to in the next six to 12 months? Well, like I've always said, we're focused on really three key things. The first one is growth. Growth by, by way of acquisition, growth by way of de novo. And de novo really is organic. And so the idea for us is patient panel growth, both in terms of Medicare lives, but also patient, traditional patient lives. And so as we're looking to grow through acquisition, we're looking for targets that are strategic. They're within regions that we want to build density. They're within the patient population panel that we believe will be ultimately successful under the Skylight platform. If it's organic, it's because we believe that we already have critical mass in an area and we believe a new office can be done organically versus just having to acquire. And so expect to continue to see efforts on those fronts. The second one is the single system of operation. This business was tried many times in the past and one of the biggest reasons they never succeeded was because they didn't have the ability to have a single system of management. Now, we have already made key decisions around the technology to be used in each practice. We've made key decisions around centralization of key functions. This allows us to manage each of these practices more efficiently, make sure that we see efficiencies within the existing business, and more importantly, it sets the foundational framework for the third part, which is the ultimate conversion to managed care contracts. And basically what that means is the capability for these independent clinics to start taking risk contracts, which means they are now sharing in the risk with payers, which means that their reimbursement models change. That doesn't always mean capitation. It could mean capitation. It could also mean a percentage of shared savings. In a percentage of shared savings model, I as a physician, think of it like an uncapped commission. The more savings I can create for the system, I get a percentage of that as a bonus at the end of the year. So if I save a million dollars a year for a payer and I get 20% back, then I get 200,000. If I save 2 million, then I get 400,000. And oftentimes this uncapped potential could be valued way more than a capitation. So again, the way we think about this today is you're going from a model of pure fee for service to a model in managed care that is ultimately gonna result in more capital in our hands for our patients, but will put us in the driver's seat of ensuring that we are able to capitalize on that as well as an, as an organization. So. Again, as complex and as complicated some of this might seem, just know that as a team, we have the expertise in-house. 
we are working very, very, very well to be able to start to understand how this translates within our practices. We're starting to see some of this transformation happen at an early stage, but we will continue to keep you updated in terms of this progress um, and very much appreciate your patience through this. So I hope that this um, video was helpful. Um, I thought a good medium to this would have just been a direct conversation between myself and, and all of you. Um, I know how supportive each of you have been in terms of supporting Skylight Health and, and helping to communicate the story. So I will continue to do my best. We will continue to do our best as an organization to move the needle forward and to keep you all aware and abreast as those updates come to market. So thank you all and hope you all have a great Canada Day for those in Canada and in the U.S. Uh, happy July 4th.